Welcome to another bonus short lecture from the History Teachers Talking Podcast, where Tom or I will lecture on big topics in little time. For more information, you can visit us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com or visit evergreenpodcast.com. Daylight saving time, also mistakenly referred to as daylight savings time, or daylight time, or sometimes just summertime, is the practice of advancing our clocks, typically one hour, during warmer months so that darkness falls at a later clock time. Usually, the clocks are set forward by one hour in the spring, hence spring forward, then set back by one hour in the fall, hence fall back. This returns us to the standard time. As a result of this, there are two odd days in a year. One 23-hour day in early spring, and one 25-hour day in the middle of autumn. The basic goal of daylight savings time is to move the hours of human activity to make the best use of natural daylight. The very idea can be attributed to three different people. The first person would be Benjamin Franklin in the 18th century. He did not invent daylight savings time as we know it today. However, he did mention the fact that if he got up earlier in the day, then the sunrise gave him a lot more hours to do the things he wanted to do. And especially, it saved him a lot of money by not using as many candles. And this is where saving electricity by shifting time is technically born. The second person was George Bernard Hudson in late 19th century New Zealand. Hudson was an entomologist and an astronomer and he proposed the idea of moving clocks forward for the very same reasons he was rejected. The third person was William Willett in early 20th century United Kingdom. He was a builder and a member of the Royal Astronomical Society. Willett introduced his bill in the British Parliament to officially enact a time change, again, to conserve energy and to have more daylight. None of the three people saw their idea of daylight come to fruition. It took war to make that happen. Ironically, the first country to adopt daylight savings time was Germany in World War I. The British followed very quickly thereafter, and then shortly after that, the United States. By enacting the idea of daylight savings time and moving the clocks, thus providing more daylight, the nations could conserve much valuable energy and ration their coal. Many people believe that it was the farmers that really wanted daylight savings time. That is incorrect. Actually, once World War I ended, pushback against daylight savings time grew, and particularly from the farmers. The sun, not the clock, dictated the farmers' schedules. So daylight savings was very disruptive. Farmers had to wait an extra hour for dew to evaporate to harvest hay. Hired hands worked less since they still left at the same time for dinner, and cows weren't ready to be milked an hour earlier to meet shipping schedules. Therefore, the farmers really pushed to have this daylight savings time abandoned. In 1919, Congress repealed the National Daylight Savings Time. It passed after Congress voted to override President Woodrow Wilson's veto to keep it. Then came World War II and a bit of deja vu. As soon as World War II started, the British and the Germans both adopted daylight savings time for the war effort. Same reasons as they did in the previous war. When the United States joined the war in 1941, the country put on daylight savings time for the war effort as well. But as before, the second the war ended, time change was once again repealed by Congress. Still, Congress did leave the idea open for states and local towns to determine themselves. As a result, the adoption of daylight savings times was very spotty across the country after World War II. It varied from state to state and caused plenty of confusion as even some towns decided to adopt it while others did not. For example, during a 35-mile bus ride between Steubenville, Ohio, and Moundsville, West Virginia, a traveler would cross seven different time zones. 
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. And so, in 1966, the federal government passed a law called the Uniform Time Act to standardize time across the country. The law said that the state doesn't have to have daylight savings time if it doesn't want to. But if it does want to have daylight savings time, it has to be statewide. Also, states with daylight savings time will need to start on the same date and end on the same date. And the federal government set those start and end dates. That is more or less the law we have today. Daylight savings time is observed in 48 of our states. The two states that do not observe it are Hawaii and Arizona. In Hawaii, there really is not much benefit to daylight savings time. Because they're so close to the equator, the sunrises and sunsets don't really change very much over the year, so it makes no sense to adjust clocks. And for those of you that have been to Arizona, they have a different issue to deal with, the heat. For example, Phoenix and Tucson are so hot in the summer that the very last thing that people that live there want is to extend the daylight. So what's the deal with trying to make daylight savings permanent? Well. Over the decades, there has been much debate as to whether we should keep it or get rid of it. In December of 1973, a bill was signed into law to make daylight savings time permanent for a period of two years. This was called the Emergency Daylight Savings Time Energy Conservation Act. The law was intended to help the United States save energy during the 1970s oil crisis. This only lasted for a little bit. After a few months, the law was amended in October of 1974 the people were just not too happy with making daylight savings time permanent. So it went back to last just a few months a year once again. Congress put forth another bill, decades later, to make daylight savings time permanent once more. Known as the Sunshine Protection Act, it was introduced in January of 2021 and then reintroduced in March of 2023. Whether it becomes law, well, we don't really know yet. But until then, enjoy losing one hour of sleep this week. Ironically, Evidence does not conclusively point to the fact that daylight savings time actually saves energy. A United States Department of Transportation study in the 1970s concluded that total electricity savings associated with switching to daylight savings time amounted to about well, roughly 1% in the spring and fall months. As air conditioning has become more widespread, however, more recent studies have found that cost savings on lighting are more than offset by the greater cooling expenses. So University of California Santa Barbara economists calculated that Indiana's move to statewide daylight savings time in 2006 led to 1% rise in residential electricity use throughout additional demand for air conditioning on summer evenings and heating in early spring and late fall mornings, thus having an adverse effect on what the real intent was for having daylight savings time. I guess the verdict is not quite out yet on daylight savings time, but it never hurts to know just a little bit more about it. 
Hope you guys enjoyed this History Teachers Talking Podcast short lecture. Tom and I will be back next week with another fun episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.